and it goes over into like a dark sort of forest area. What do you think we're going to find? I think we're going to find a lost world that no one in Cambridge has ever seen. Okay. Hello, welcome to Small Findings. I'm Jim Kang, an artist and software engineer. Each episode, I tell you about some of the things I found out about, both online and in real life. This week, I have some extremely local findings for you. They are, what's on the other side of the bridge over Route 2, and what's it like at the top of Alewife Station? These findings were recorded live in an expedition with my friend Alex. We also have an example of the marketplace of ideas concept of free speech in effect in 1933. What the workforce is, that's with a capital W and a capital F. And finally, the mystery of the library book drop. Okay, on to the findings. In the northwest corner of Cambridge, Massachusetts, there is a transit station called Alewife Station. It's an intermodal station, which means that more than one kind of transportation goes there. In this case, it's buses and trains. The trains travel the red line which is a subway line that goes through downtown Boston to the east. Because Alewife is the terminus of the red line that is closest to the western suburbs, it has a massive parking garage so that people from those suburbs can drive there then take the train into the city. You can go even further into the northwestern corner of Cambridge, past Alewife Station, by walking along the off-ramp. The off-ramp is part of the Alewife Station Access Road. It's for cars entering and exiting the parking garage from Route 2, also known as the Concord Turnpike. My friend Alex and I were walking this path last week on our weekly masked and socially distanced walks. Surprisingly, there is a pedestrian walkway along the off-ramp and along the turnpike. I don't know how far along the turnpike it goes but I was impressed that any part of the turnpike had a walkway on it. In fact, I'm not even sure I, it ever occurred to me that any off-ramp would have a walkway next to it. Near these condos that used to be this bowling alley called Lanes and Games, we came across a metal bridge that went all the way over the eight lanes of Route 2. It was getting late at that point, so we decided not to explore it though we wanted to know what was on the other side. I also resisted just looking it up after I went home. This past Saturday, we went back to it. Here's a live report from the scene. Sorry, the recording is a little noisy because we were next to a highway. All right, I'm here with Alex, my friend, and we've returned this iron, or metal at least, bridge that goes over Route 2, and it goes over into like a dark sort of forest area. What do you think we're gonna find? I think we're gonna find a lost world that no one in Cambridge has ever seen. Okay. Except probably the Oh, and somebody's gonna go clean it, because like a guy just came by with a, a broom <laughs> and went up those stairs. All right, let's go. Great. 
When we crossed this bridge, the guy with the broom overtook us and grabbed a bike and a bag of stuff in the middle of the bridge, then walked it over to the other side ahead of us. We said hi, but he just looked at us silently and continued. He looked like a normal, scruffy white guy with a beard, but something seemed off about the situation. What I think may have been happening here, and I can't prove this, is that the guy may have been living on the bridge. There may have been such little foot traffic on the bridge that you could live there in warmer times and uh, not worried about being bothered too much. And when someone did come along, they'd be loud enough that you could just get your stuff and move away from the bridge for a little while and then come back to it. But I, I can't prove this. Here's our impressions of the other side of the bridge. Well, <laughs> is, it a, is it a land of wonder on this side of the bridge? Uh, it's different, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, uh, there's, it's uh, kind of late, so it's a little bit dark, and there's this, uh, there's this hole through the woods that you have to uh, kind of stoop through, and uh, there's this chalk, like in contrast to the rest of the Cambridge, uh, rest of the Cambridge area, there's this chalk writing that says "White Lives Matter," so I think we're gonna go back up the bridge and come back when it's lighter out. Finally, wins the day. <laughs> A small correction, I implied that the other side of the bridge was part of Cambridge, but it was actually Arlington on the other side of the bridge. And Arlington, if you don't know it, is another fairly progressive town. So having decided that going into the hole was going to be too much for that late in the evening, we moved on to something else that we wanted to check out in the area. The top of the Alewife parking garage. All right, so we're about to try to get to the top of the, the massive, colossal Alewife tea station garage and see what we can see. Do you think we'll be able to find a way in without uh, enclosing ourselves in elevators or anything? I feel like the chances are good. Ooh, maybe that's it. Right there? Okay, let's head that way. Adventures of brutalism. Yeah. Yeah, this is like another forest, a concrete, or concrete jungle. Do you feel like we'll run into another another uh, kind of dodgy looking fellow <laughs> <laughs> like we did on the bridge? I don't know, Alewife Garage, I could see it. It wouldn't surprise me. Just, you know, it's like a, a wandering guy who just goes between two levels. All right, let's see. The parking garage is five floors high. It has 2,733 parking spaces. It's all unpainted concrete in brutalist fashion. All right, we found stairs up, open air stairs. Ah. We're not getting infected. <laughs> Unsurprisingly, for a Saturday evening in a pandemic, the garage was empty. We saw few cars and no people. All right, we made it to the top. We made it five levels. Yeah. So there's the top of those expensive condominiums. I think I had, I worked for a CEO who lived in one of those. 
There's Ringe Towers. Nice breeze. Ooh, what's that nice there? Nice pipes. See with the, the one spot of light. Oh. Huh. So I don't know. Is that Fresh Pond? Is that somewhere? I think, I think Fresh Pond may be more that way. Yeah. There's the river across the... It's a mystery. There's these cool, cool orange pipes. Oh, yeah. Exhaust pipes or something. Yeah, there's zero cars up here, not surprisingly. There was a good view from the top. You could see this wetland pond right next to it, as well as several large office park buildings around the station. I think Alex might have been right about that one light being the casino. I don't think of Encore Boston Harbor as being very close. The casino is in Everett, across the Mystic River, where, as Gandalf would say, I go not. But in actuality, it's only five miles away, and it is the closest building that is that tall. It's 27 stories high, and you have to go further all the way to Boston to see more buildings that tall or taller. After this, we headed back down. Well, we made it. We did. Yeah. Actually, a pretty good view of many things. Yeah, and it's like there's a there's this rare, vast, flat plain. You don't see too many places. Yeah, it's like that lightning field project. Oh, there's there, wait, what's that project? You no, know, I think it's uh, maybe it's like Walter de Maria. It's this guy who made this lightning field somewhere way out in the southwest. Oh. And it's basically just these like sticks. Of just metal. pulls and just catches. Yeah. Lightning. That's what these things look like. I wonder if they ever get hit. I guess there's. There's maybe things a little higher than them around, but... Frank, if you need to have a Frankenstein monster be revived... Yeah. This is the spot. Does, did he just use it for photography? I think okay. he also rented it out. Okay. So like, people could pay to stay in the lightning cabin oh. for a night and watch lightning. And, and, like, I guess... I guess it was safe. Yeah, like, it was the cabin outside the field, not in the field. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, like... You know, they don't have to live in, have a night of terror, feel, feel, <laughs> feel the most alive you've ever felt. For one second. Yeah. I actually know someone who was hit by lightning. Whoa. Yeah. How did they do? Yeah. I guess they're alive. Yeah, they said they were um, working in the field in Alaska. And I guess they were out there one day. And they said they didn't even, like, know what was happening. They just knew there was a storm. And then the next thing they woke up. Like these burns, they're closed Whoa! Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Did they have like after effects, or is it just like, no, I just lost consciousness and lost my clothes? But I think they're pretty hurt for like. Oh, that's nice. Well, at least it's not like, you know, when you accidentally, you know, connect some electrical things and feel like an unpleasant jolt. Yeah. All right. Well, we made it all the way back down. Congratulations, us. Well, thanks for your take. <laughs> Later, in fact, just a few minutes ago, I read about the lightning field. I found out that the weather around it often doesn't cooperate, and you're not likely to get a thunderstorm while you're visiting. And you are forbidden from taking pictures there. So the experience there is very different from, from what I imagined when we were walking down from the parking garage top. However, I've read that spending time in an acres-wide art installation 
is apparently a powerful Stonehenge-like experience. And seeing the empty top of the Aloy parking garage with its rows of lampposts was sort of like that as well. It was an opportunity to just absorb something large and cyclopean. A few weeks ago, I saw on the Universal Hub website that Nazis had joined a Back the Blue rally in Boston. Those rallies are about supporting the police in light of their killing of George Floyd and their maiming of protesters. In fact, not only have they maimed protesters, uh, there's been at least a few cases in which police have run cars into groups of protesters. I'm not surprised that the Nazis support this. Adam Gaffin, who runs uh, Universal Hub, dropped in an interesting historical fact, though. In 1933, a professor from the University of Berlin visited Boston to give a speech titled, Why I Believe in the Hitler Government. Hundreds of Bostonians protested, and the police battled the protesters. People inside the building where he was speaking chanted, Liar! during his speech. The most interesting thing about this to me is that the director of the venue, the Ford Hall Forum, said that he had to hang his head in shame at this disrespect for the speaker. He praised the professor for, quote, courage and patience, end quote, while giving his Hitler speech. There are people today who still believe it is a good idea to respectfully listen to all viewpoints, no matter what they are, even if they are literally genocidal. Oddly enough, they don't fight to get those that do not have the power to speak at larger respected venues like the Ford Hall Forum in order to get all the viewpoints listened to. They simply make sure that uh, whatever viewpoints have the power to get out there are never stopped. And now for some extremely local findings. For years, I've walked by this building that says workforce on it without knowing exactly what it was. I thought it offered employment resources, but beyond that, I had no idea. It turns out to be a program run by the Cambridge Housing Authority, and it is not for adults, as I assumed. It's for kids, grades 8 through 8, who live in public housing. It helps them get through high school, get work experience, and enroll in some form of post-secondary education. They also help them save for college by offering matching funds up to $1,500, uh, sort of like a corporate 401k incentive. The first class to go through four years of the workforce program graduated in 2016. 65% of them have now graduated from college or a post-secondary vocational program. That's really good. Nationally, only 37% of low-income students whose parents did not attend college, which is what most of these students are, do not complete a post-secondary education. That's a lot more powerful than a place that just provides job listings on computers. Which, of course, is cool too. This is just a lot better. 
The Cambridge Main Library is currently partly open in that you can't go inside because that would spread a lot of disease, but you can request for books to be made available to you online. What they do is they get your books ready, they schedule a time for you to show up outside the library, and then they put it on a table for you to pick up. Um, so we went there, and not only did we pick up some books, we also dropped off the books. My son noticed something interesting about the book drop at the, the main Cambridge library. It's about three feet off the ground, so you could comfortably get to it from the outside. But you could see right above it, because uh, that wall is all window, there's a meeting room that sits right above the book drop. So how do the librarians actually get these books? Uh, because um, they would have to go under that meeting room. Does that mean that they, they stoop into a crawl space to get the books? Anderson asked the librarian who was managing the book pickups when we went to pick up our books. It turns out that the book drop connects to a chute that slides books down into a normal height room in the basement. The architects save valuable space on the first floor by doing this so that they don't have to have um, a book collecting room on the first floor and they could have stuff like, you know, tables where people could sit, they have that meeting room, um, and, you know, shelves of books. But they also allowed a book drop to be conveniently accessible right outside the building on the first floor. I guess that's the power of shoots, which I mostly think of as uh, more fun than functional. I guess implicitly I think of them as fun things that you'd find in a video game level. And that's it for this episode. Do you have any findings you want to share? Have you ever gone into the hole on the other side of the bridge over Route 2? Do you have any comments that you want to make? If so, email smallfindings at fastmail.com. That's F-A-S-T-M-A-I-L dot com. See you next time with more findings.